All right. Good morning, everyone. So great to see all your wonderful faces this morning. Um, let's turn to Genesis chapter 40. Genesis chapter 40, and we're going to continue on in our reading. Um, I'm going to read the whole chapter today because it's not as crazy as chapter uh, 30, uh, what was it, 39 or 38 uh, the other day. Um, and I'm going to shorten my teaching a little bit so that we can have more time to pray together. Uh, so I've asked my wife to keep me accountable, okay? So let's start with Genesis 40, chapter one, or, uh, verse 1. They, then it came about after these things, the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt uh, offended their lord, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was furious with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. So he put them in confinement in the house of the captain of the bodyguard in the jail, the same place where Joseph was imprisoned. The captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them, and he took care of them, and they were in confinement for some time. Then the cupbearer and the baker for the king of Egypt, who were confined in jail, both had, dream, both had a dream the same night, each man with his own dream, and each dream with its own interpretation. When Joseph came to them in, in the morning and observed them, behold, they were dejected. He asked Pharaoh's officials who were with him in confinement in his master's house, Why are your faces so sad today? Then they said to him, We had had a dream, and there is no one interpreted. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell it to me, please. So the chief cupbearers told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, there was a vine in front of me, and on the vine were three branches, and as it was budding, uh, its blossoms came out, and its clusters produced ripe grapes. Now Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, so I took the grapes and squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you will put Pharaoh's cup into his hand according to your former custom when you were his cupbearer. Only keep me in mind when it goes well with you, and please do me a kindness by mentioning me to Pharaoh and get me out of this house. Verse 15, For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews, and, in, and even here I have done nothing that they should have put me into the dungeon. <clears throat> when the chief baker saw that he had interpreted favorably, he said to Joseph, I also saw in my dream, and behold, there were three baskets of white bread on my head, and on the top of the basket there was some of all sorts of baked food for Pharaoh, and the birds were eating them out of the baskets on my head. Then Joseph answered and said, This is its interpretation. The three baskets are three days. Within three more days, Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and will hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh off you. Thus it came about on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up the head of the chief cupbearer and the head of the chief baker among the servants. He restored the chief cupbearer to his office, and he put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker just as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. <clears throat> I, uh, yeah, I was just thinking of that second interpretation. Um, it kind of sounds the same when, when it's being given. Uh, but for one, the fate is being restored, and the other one is um, losing his life. Um, and, and I wonder if uh, Joseph could have, um, I don't know, I, I, I try to think of myself in that position and if I knew this fate so, so harsh or so uh, 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 difficult were going to fall upon him, um, if I would have been more uh, um, sensitive or more um, 
maybe even unrevealing so as to not put the person in uh, uh, emotional difficult or pain. Um, but Joseph just comes straight out and interprets. Um, he has no qualms. He has no issues. Um, you know, maybe just being outright straightforward with the individual so that the individual can take uh, into account, you know, his life, get things in order, maybe get right with God. Um, and, and so we, we do... Uh, I think in a ministry context, um, whether it's a pastor as a preacher, I, I feel it. I, I feel like there's a, there's a line and a balance. And, and, and in one sense, I, I want you guys to feel good. And I want you guys to feel loved. And I want you guys to feel accepted. And, and I think all churches and all pastors, there's this line. Uh, but then there's also, there's truth. There's, there's discipline. Uh, there's not pulling punches. Um, and so, you know, ask yourself, like, what, what type of church should Solomon's Porch be? Should we be a, an uber, ultra, seeker-sensitive church that, that waters down uh, on a Sunday pulpit and, and, and you know, uh, uh, gives antidotes and, and stories and things that, that kind of people want to hear? Or do we just straight up tell the truth and the Word of God black and white and then people have to deal with their souls before God? And, and we pray and believe that, that God would you know, meet with them in that place and, and whatnot. And so um, just, just a thought here uh, you know, to start off the morning. Um, but as I look at Joseph and as I look at uh, uh, some of the things that are being said of him here, it says in verse 4, the captain of the bodyguard put Joseph in charge of them and he took care of them. And, and I mentioned yesterday, what, well, what, you know, is there such a thing as favor in prison? Right? I mean, we, there's favor when we have high positions. There's favor when we're bestowed incredible blessings. But I mean, I mean you know, it just seems like an oxymoron to be in prison and to have favor. And, and I mentioned that uh, I really do believe that there is a correlation of God's favor connected to our attitude and our uh, vantage point of God. You know, when our vantage point of God changes and when we, when we start to doubt God or when we start to, start to question God or even when we start to judge God or, or judge God's judgments. Um, whereas in Joseph's situation, even though he was demoted and demoted and demoted and stripped, Yet no matter what position he was in, he gave his best. And I don't think his vantage point of God ever changed. I'm sure he had some questions. I'm sure he had some doubts. I'm sure he had some struggles. But just like anyone else, just like myself, just like you, he probably had to remind himself, no, but God is good. God certainly has a plan. Um, and so it's just amazing to me that, that I can see a person who's not in a position in his job, who's not in a position financially, who's not in a position anywhere even close to where he's realized his dreams, and yet he can faithfully serve God with what God has given him. And I think that that is an incredible testament to faith. It's not in our successes. It's not in the moment that we receive the blessing I believe, because everyone will worship God and love God when the blessing comes, right? And God knows that. God knows that when the blessing is released, that everyone will, will, will attribute and worship and praise. But just between us, um, the places, at least for myself, that I, I, I've resolved to worship God is especially in the places where I don't feel like it. Especially in the places where I feel distant. Especially in those you know, uh, days or weeks that go by and I haven't had that quality time, 
connecting with the Lord and, and things are pressing in on me at home or things are pressing in on me at, at, at work or things are pressing in on me in my health or my, my thoughts. And it's in those places where oftentimes I'll get and these thoughts will come and I'll be like, man, I just don't feel like it. And I just feel so down. I feel so negative. Um, and, and oftentimes in those difficulties, in tears, I will offer up worship and praise. I mean, some of the most powerful moments I've had with God, I'm just telling you right now between us and, and, and so that I can encourage you, are in those very places where I don't want to worship Him. I don't feel like worshiping Him. And yet, I know how desperate I am without Him. And I, and I just start singing worship or I start praying worship. And, and I believe that it's in those times that God receives and offers up. I, I believe that's true faith and true worship. Um, I've made this distinction that, you know, this side of heaven, we know in part, we see in part, right? Uh, and that, and everything requires faith. You know, one day we will pass. Uh, one day we will be in heaven. One day we will be without sin. One day we will have perfect revelation and perfect understanding going forward in the present and in the past. Everything will come together. Um, you, guys, you guys watch that movie Frozen 2 yet? Right, you guys remember Olaf's song? Right? Okay, just some parents, right? Yeah, everything will make sense when I get older. Right? It's, it's kids singing that when I get older, everything will make sense. Well, not really. Right? And even as we're older, I, I can say to you, really, everything will make sense when we get to heaven. So we know that that's going to happen. We know, not now, but there will be a time where everything makes sense, everything connects, everything in our past, both the brokenness and the good, will all come together. And, the, and, and then at that point, we'll be like, wow, God, you're amazing. Uh, I used to give this illustration of um, when, we, when, we, when we all pass, we're all going to die, we're all going to pass away, uh, uh, whether it's 50, whether it's 60, whether it's 80, whether it's 100, maybe 110. I think the oldest person in the world right now, I saw in the news yesterday, was a 117-year-old, uh, I believe it's a Japanese woman, um, and so we're all going to pass. That's, that's inevitable. It's going to happen. And, and this picture that, that used to play in my mind when I was maybe 21, 22, and it was around the time where I said, well, Lord, then I'm going to dedicate my whole life to you, was this idea that one day I will pass away, and then I'll go into heaven. And at that point, the Lord will say, here's all the revelation. Here's all the things you missed. Here's all the places you didn't understand. Here's all the places you had to really trust in me. And in that moment, I'm going to have perfect knowledge, perfect love, without sin, see Him face to face, without any, anything separating us. And in that moment, I, I, I imagine my reaction would be like, oh my goodness, God, man, this is incredible. I, man, you're so worthy of praise. I, I should have trusted you more. I mean, I trusted you a lot. I really did. And I went this far. But man, had I known all this, I would have given you even more. I would have, I would have trusted you even more. I would have sacrificed even more. And, and it all makes sense now. God, I just worship you. God, you're so worthy of all praise and forever I'm going to... And then I had the second thought where I was like, okay, God, now that I get it, now, now I totally get it. And, uh, it. and now I know I can do it right. God, will you send me back? Send me back because now knowing what I know here in, in heaven... I would be so fortified. There would be nothing that would shake me. And I would give everything 100%, 110% all the time. Lord, send me back. Give me another chance. And, and, and that's just it. We only get one life. You only get one chance. And so really, 
the, what, what's incredible is right here, right now, the, uh, the real faith is in trusting God even when we're uncertain. Trusting God even when we don't see the full picture. And I believe that the praise and the worship and the offerings and the sacrifices we make now, um, I, I believe that it, has, it, it carries an incredible amount of weight and significance. Because anyone can praise and worship God when things are perfect. Anyone can praise and worship God when they have full understanding of God's plan. But I believe that God is greatly pleased with you when we choose to worship Him when we don't understand fully. Does that make sense? And that, that's all of us in all our contexts. And that's certainly Joseph here in this context. He doesn't have the big picture. He has this promise. He has this ultimate end. But it doesn't seem like it's being realized in this very moment. And yet he trusts God ultimately even in this circumstance, in so much that he has incredible favor. Uh, uh, the captain of the bodyguard puts Joseph in charge of them. Uh, uh, you know, he's, he's already given authority. He's, he's given influence. Uh, and he takes care of them. Uh, in verse 7, he comes and he sees them and, and, and he recognizes their emotions. He recognizes their countenance. Uh, he sees that their faces are sad and he inquires of them. Um, I, you know, as I was reading this, it, it, it kind of highlighted to me the, this idea of influence or authority. Influence or authority. Um, I know that, that there are many gifted people in the church. I know that there are many gifted and, and uh, very scriptural and, and knows the word and knows God and has many talents in the, in the marketplace uh, uh, and, and spiritually as well. Um, but but influence um, doesn't always automatically equate to, uh, or, 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 you know, or, or authority, or the idea of authority. I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, Joseph had gifts. Joseph, Joseph had uh, 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 promises that God had given him. Yet why is it that in his first context in his home, um, he was rejected and people wanted to throw him out? Does that make sense? Right, and, and yet, then in this position, so it, it was just—I was just thinking about it. Um, there's there's certain contexts. I think timing is a big factor. Um, I, you know, just between us, a lot of times, and this is some of the things that I, I won't say it's a struggle or or, 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 it, or it's trouble—not not to that extent at all. But there is a balance uh, as a pastor, or maybe you as a ministry leader, as a worship leader, or as a house church leader. Or, or as an uh, intercessory prayer, you know, whatever ministry, or, or maybe even the marketplace even as well, in your, in your company or in your industry, there are certainly people who are incredibly gifted. And we get all sorts of, you know, one of the, one of the blessings about being in Singapore is we get so many people from all over the world and just really, uh, 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 really gifted people. And, um, you know, just quite frankly, gifted people come up and, and all of a sudden they think because they're gifted that they have a platform. Just quite frankly, right? Uh, because they've, they've, they've done something in, su- in a certain way in their, in, in their other church or because they've grown up and, and have such a relationship. Um, and, and so it, it's almost like it's, like it's an entitlement or a right that because I'm gifted, I should be given a, a position of authority. And, and I think that uh, um, as we see in Joseph's context, that there is a matter of timing. There is a matter of building relationships. I think what the key is really is for people to see that you have their heart. 
for people to see that, that the relationship is valued above uh, uh, the product or the work. And, and can I say even, maybe even the ministry? And what do I mean by that? Uh, a guy by the name of Bobby Clinton leads a leadership class, and I never took his class. I wanted to, but, but it was his last class, one of my, la- uh, my first semester there. But I would hear this phrase all the time from my friend who took the class. I would hear this phrase, I think even from Pastor Sam. And, um, and, and the idea is that ministry comes out of being. Ministry comes out of being, not doing. And, and, and Martha and Mary, a classic example. Martha is doing. Mary is being, simply just being in the presence. Being incorporates a, a, a relationship, a priority on a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard this. I, I may have asked this question and he may have shared this, but Pastor Benjamin, I think some of the uh, uh, preaching team and things like that. And by the way, we're going to have a preaching team uh, developing in 2020 and we're going to uh, do a bit more training and, and workshop and development. And so really excited for that. Um, but he gives the example of studying the Bible and researching the Bible um, during the week so that he could prepare a sermon. And, 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 and what he saw was that he was doing this simply to prepare a good sermon and that he wasn't actually having a good, intimate relationship. It's, it's like in marriage. We, we can get so busy uh, functionally. You know, there's, there's a million and one things to do to get through the day, to get things done. But you can be so distant emotionally. And so ministry must come out of being. Ministry in another way, is if you focus on Jesus and on your relationship with Him, stuff will just start to overflow. You don't even have to uh, 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 focus on it. You just, by nature of being in the presence of God and, and carrying His countenance and His Spirit, you're, you're, the way you think, the way you speak will just begin to be transformed and, and ministry will just happen. But when you focus on an end product of a ministry and that becomes your goal, goal-oriented then you risk the danger of losing sight of the relationship. And so, uh, um, you know, ministry has to come out of being. And so Pastor Benjamin was saying, so after that, he, he would just worship, he would just pray, he would just meditate, he would just read the scriptures simply to know Christ. And then he would just jot down some points and then he would just go up and, and preach a sermon. And he, he's a dynamic preacher and he, he actually gives some preaching classes and he actually recommends people don't do that uh, in the sense that uh, uh, he, he can't follow an outline. He can't follow uh, three points and whatnot. Um, but he really puts the emphasis on that. Um, and so this idea of relationship building. And so I think for Joseph in his first context, he didn't have the authority and the, and the giftings were all there or, or given, or appointed. Um, but the relationships weren't there. So then he was given out, uh, uh, sold into slavery, uh, betrayed. Here you see a, a different Joseph, and, 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 and I wish I could, I could get the whole biography. Uh, uh, the scriptures will give us some key points and some key uh, uh, snapshots. Um, but, but, but you can see that Joseph is changing. You can see that he has concern. You can see that he can feel the room. He can feel uh, uh, what people are going through. And then he can engage and inquire and ask them um, there's a book by uh, R.T. Kendall who he, he's spoken a handful of times in Solomon's Porch in Hong Kong and I really hope to have him come out and preach here in Singapore uh, maybe this year but, but hopefully latest by 2021 and uh, he has a, a, a book Holy Fire 
and he has a book, uh, Total Forgiveness. If you're talking about, uh, you know, and, and I know many of us have come from different traditions and whatnot, and, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I told my wife to keep me on track with time. Um, yeah, different traditions and whatnot. And, uh, you know, maybe you came from a highly conservative tradition as myself. Uh, maybe you came from a highly charismatic or Pentecostals, you know, uh, 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 really spirit-filled church. Uh, you know, and, and he says in his book, In a Holy Fire, that there's been a silent divorce. Many, many years ago, there's been a silent divorce, an unspoken divorce, where, where one group went this way and went full-on Holy Spirit, extreme on the Holy Spirit, but lacked scriptures. And then the other side went full-on scriptures, you know, 100%, but lacked the Holy Spirit. So there's been this kind of divide or, or separation in the church. And, and, he, and he basically saying in the book that you need both. And, um, and basically, in, in, anyways, in, in his other book, uh, uh, Total Forgiveness, he talks about Joseph. And it's the opening chapter. Uh, it's, it's the primary teaching. And, and he says that Joseph is slowly changing. That through the most difficult circumstances in his life, when it seems like God is far away and doing nothing, in fact, God is doing something. In fact, God is doing something. In those moments, here in this context, when it seems like circumstantially God is far away and it seems like not much is happening, the picture I get for Joseph and the picture I get for all of us here is, is that of a glacier. Have any of you guys ever seen a glacier? Right? Uh, uh, I think they have some in Canada. Right? They might have some in... I don't know where else. Okay? But it, definitely in Canada. I've seen one from far away in, in British Columbia. And, and, and when I saw a glacier, and, and, and you, you know, it's, it's, it's ice that moves and glaciers will, will, will move out and then they'll recede, right? Depending on the season. You guys know? Glace, ice moves in, moves out. Right? So just, it looks like snow has fallen and then the snow has melted, but it's not. It's, it's, it's one chunk of ice that moves forward and moves back, moves forward and moves back. But when you go to see it, it's actually not moving. It's just a clump of like an ice cap that's just frozen on top, you know, like in your, in your freezer or something, that little chunk of ice is just sitting there. And it seems like nothing is happening. It seems like nothing is, is moving. But what's actually happening is on the surface, it's frozen. It seems like nothing's happening, but underneath, uh, uh, ice rivers or, or little pieces of ice are moving and it's carving out and some of the most incredible in fact my most favorite and beautiful place on the planet is a result of this slow moving ice that seems like nothing is happening that seems like nothing is moving that nothing is changing but over time little by little God is moving in, in these circumstances and, and Yosemite National Park I don't know if you guys have ever been there but that whole granite, El Capitan, and North, uh, 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 what is it, uh, uh, Half Moon, and the Yosemite Valley, all of that is, is a result of thousands and thousands of, or however many you know, years ago, glaciers moving through and carving out, and it just creates something incredible and unforgettable. And I believe that no matter your circumstance, no matter how slow it seems like it's moving, that God is working in your life. That God is slowly chipping away. That God is... Uh, 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 changing and moving undercurrents in, in our lives. He's moving things. He's moving in our life, even if we don't see it. And, and, and Joseph is being transformed little by little. Um, one of the things, and, and then I'll, I'll close here and, and, and I'll continue on, um, that R.T. Kendall mentions in his book is that even though Joseph 
has incredible faith. Even though Joseph, in this difficult circumstance, can still work faithfully unto God in trust, he's still holding on to bitterness. He's still holding on to hurt. Um, and I think that it's, there's always going to be that combination. Um, forgiveness, you forgive someone one time and for all, forever, right? When someone offends you or someone grieves you or someone hurts you, and usually it's people you care for more that can hurt you deeper. And you, you take that incredible step of faith supernaturally that you can't on your own, but God through His Son, resurrection, gives us hope to forgive. And we, and we forgive someone. And if you're like me, we've said I've forgiven someone. And I, and, and I absolutely do love and I care and I forgive. And, 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 but at the same time, we've made that forgiveness. At the same time, the enemy will continue. He'll, he'll never relent. Right? He'll never relent. And so, so in one sense, yes, we've forgiven once and for all, for all time. But at the same time, it's, it's a practice and a discipline. We're, we're really in faith reminding ourselves that we've forgiven, right? So, so something happens and you're reminded, oh, I have to forgive that person again. Oh, I have to forgive that person again. I, you know, I, I'll go through the side. Oh, I've already forgiven, oh, but I, I have to forgive that. And, and instead of saying, I have to forgive that person again, because you've already forgiven them by the blood of Christ as you're forgiven, instead of saying, oh yeah, I already forgive that person. That, that might be uh, something that you can practice and operate in your mind. Instead of, oh, I have to forgive that person again for something that you've already forgiven, you can say, oh yeah, I've already forgiven that person. Thank you, Lord. I've already forgiven that person. That person's already forgiven. Or better yet, uh, in faith, before that person asks for uh, a forgiveness, to say, I've already forgiven you. I've already forgiven you. And so uh, uh, Joseph here in chapter, uh, verse 14 and 15, he just says this comment, and, and, and you can see that there's still some turmoil and he's growing. He says, um, um, and what R.T. Kendall says in this is that he's still trying to manipulate. He's still trying to control the situation and circumstance. He's still trying to control how people think of him. He's still trying to use his methods uh, uh, to get himself out of a situation. And so he tries to uh, uh, get the acquaintance and the favor of these two people who are in high positions and have direct face-to-face with the king. And says, will you put in a good word for me? Here, I'll do you a favor. I'll, I'll, I'll interpret a dream. Um, and then, and then it, it's exposed even further in verse 15. For I was in fact kidnapped from the land of the Hebrews. Actually, he wasn't kidnapped. He was sold into slavery. Right? So even his narrative of how he explains his situation is hurtful. It's hurtful to tell people that you want to respect you to say, my brothers sold me. Actually, they wanted to kill me. And so there's a lot of pain there. There's a lot of hiddenness. There's a lot of, I don't want people to know my story going on here and he says he says in fact I was kidnapped from the land of Hebrews no you were sold you were betrayed by your family they actually wanted to to, to bury you and even here I have done nothing that they should have put me in this dungeon um, and, and so uh, uh, R.T. Kendall will say in his book that from this Joseph to the Joseph who's, who's uh, uh, far away has built his own life who's running away from his family but God because he loves Joseph's brings his family to him because there's no healing without healing in the family. Um, and, and, and you see this process. This is one of the, the, the undercurrents or the, or the glaciers moving that God is working both in his favor and blessing. And, and, and God is simply holding his hand and walking with him and teaching him. 
Um, and so this morning, just want to wrap up and close. Um, and, and, and just real quick, you know, at, at the end of the chapter we read, uh, uh, you know, through his trying to put himself in a good stance or, or a good vantage point with these people, they go up and they completely forget him. Uh, and the question is, well, why didn't God let him out? Uh, I, I don't have the answer to that. I don't have the answer to why. I don't have a specific uh, a prescription to that question. But I know that God is working. Right? So why hasn't God answered this prayer yet? You know, haven't I spent enough time in, in this season? Why hasn't God launched me out to my next season? Uh, uh, why hasn't God sent me out into, uh, uh, into this position or into this status? Um, people may have forgotten you. Right? Leaders may have forgotten you. Right? Family, people you love may at times have forgotten certain things. And, and, and we, you know, we, we get hurt. Like, how, how could you uh, not remember? Uh, um, but I want to encourage you this morning that God has not forgotten you. God has not forgotten you. And that God is with you. And He is working in your life. And it's going to be glorious. If you ever get a chance... Uh, uh, to go physically, but if not, then uh, maybe you know you see a picture of it or a video of it at least. But Yosemite is incredible, and that's something that took you know thousands upon thousands of years of slow movement, and God crafted and created something that for the generations and for the ages, for people to come and be blessed by it. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Uh, spend some time.